Well, yeah, nominally this is locked in. In essence, what you get today is a four-hour special of The Rush. Tyler McComas is out for the next two days on vacation, allegedly somewhere in the mountains of Colorado. I am Parker Thune, joined today by the Buckus Award winner himself, Teddy Lehman, live from Newcastle Casino. Teddy, how we doing? How's your Monday? Man, my Monday is fantastic. I cannot complain. Everything is great. We got a beautiful day outside. We got all kinds of great things happening in college football. Man, life is just great, Parker. I feel you on that. Although for me, this week, the way I explain it to people, this week for me is the equivalent of tax season for CPAs. Mm. National Signing Day, well, early signing day is Wednesday. I suppose National Signing Day isn't until February. But in technicality, early signing day has become National Signing Day in that the vast majority of graduating seniors who are going to play college football at the FBS level are going to sign their letters of intent this Wednesday. These days, many of them end up enrolling early and getting on campus with their school of choice come January. Now... The Sooners have 27 scholarship commits Mm. in the number six recruiting class in the nation heading into Wednesday. They have three nationally ranked players committed as walk-ons. Of course, most notably a guy that I expect to be the Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Oklahoma in Andy Bass, the three-star athlete up at Heritage Hall High School. Accounted for 66 touchdowns, by the Mm. way, as a senior in leading Heritage Hall to the doorstep of a state championship. So... That is some background for what Oklahoma has in the boat right now. Of course, the one guy they will continue to pursue post-Wednesday would be five-star defensive lineman Dominic McKinley of Lafayette, Louisiana. Committed right now to Texas A&M in technicality, although obviously things have changed drastically in College Station since he pledged back in September. The Sooners, one of several schools looking to flip the stud defensive lineman from the state of Louisiana. And, Ted, I always look forward to having you on Locked In because we don't get to do a show together but for five, six times a year maybe, if that. So I'm always interested to hear how much you have dug into recruiting, especially on a week like this when we're anticipating early signing day. What thoughts, opinions do you have, regardless of how much – Uh, research you've done, tape you've watched. What are your overarching thoughts Mm. on Oklahoma's signing day hall to be on Wednesday? Well, I think it's, for the most part, it feels like another really well-balanced class. Uh, it, It feels like the last two years, and I guess you could probably even go back to the signing class that was for the most part put together uh, before Venables, um, you know, took the job, but they added some pieces there. Really been three solid recruiting classes in a row. Um, and this one feels really well balanced. Obviously, defensive line is in there. Um, offensive line, you've got some big positions of need. Uh, running back. You got a five-star running back. Tied in. You got a five-star tied in. I don't know what he is since he reclassified. Maybe he's not a five-star uh, now, but, you know, he's of that caliber of a player. Um, you got some really good players on defense, safety. 
You got some good. It's just it's balance. You got a quarterback in there that hopefully comes in and perhaps adds some depth right away if he can if he can pick up the system and and everything. So I, just looks overall really solid to me. Gunny of Stutzman Army on the text line says, as often as Machine Gun McComas hits Colorado, I'd think he likes 420 as much as myself. <laughs> and neither confirm nor deny. Spence in Tulsa says, this is a wild matchup on my radio with Thune and Rocky, and I'm here for it. Yeah, always a good yeah. time. Always a good time when Teddy and I get to do some radio together. And obviously, I mean, you you are an ex-linebacker. I know that's always the position that you scrutinize the most. And what's interesting, amidst what you mentioned, is a very balanced haul across the board for Oklahoma. They're only set to sign one linebacker in four-star prospect James Nesta out of the state of North Carolina, a guy that's going to play both football and baseball at Oklahoma and somebody that they're really excited about. But for those that will inevitably ask, well, why only one linebacker? Well, the Sooners are going to get Danny Stutzman back. They don't have anybody graduating. Linebacker is a position, Teddy, where the Sooners are going to experience zero attrition this offseason. Yeah. Yeah, and with zero, it's it's interesting. You know, you feel like you've always got to add people to make your position group better, right? That's what we talk about. Well, if they can find a better player, they're going to, whether it's through the portal, through recruiting, they're going to make that position group better. Well, a lot of times, and especially at linebacker, the best way to make that position group better is experience and having guys be in a system multiple years, and I think that's what you're going to get. I really like the, the base of that group. They're all athletic. They all can run. We just got to get smarter as an overall linebacking core, and I think we will. So uh, just adding one guy I don't think is a problem. I do think that there's a chance that Venables goes after a – a linebacker in the transfer portal, the right linebacker, someone, I mean, clearly uh, as, as you know, those guys have gotten better and more established and been in the system longer, like the panic level on depth isn't like it was going into this season, right? We, we, what is it, the, uh, what's the clock, the doomsday clock that's uh, <laughs> like two minutes till midnight, like, that's where we were heading heading into this season, uh, you know, last year. But we're not the the doomsday clock is not two minutes till midnight anymore. We're in a much better position. But if the right player shows up, I think Venables may do may may take a jump at something because you got to remember we were still we never really settled on a starting Mike linebacker throughout the season. Uh-huh. You know, Canick started the majority of the games, but, you know, he had his problems, you know, started rotating in there later in the year. We started seeing Stutzman play some Mike. Um, you know, I don't know what the plan moving forward is. If if they think Kip Lewis and Stutzman are the two best players and maybe Stutzman plays Mike, I don't know. But if if the right player shows up, I think they may try and add some some competition to the mix. Well, and it's a great point you make because one of the traps that fans fall into is writing off a guy completely because he's played inconsistently. And I can recall last year, 
honestly, the discourse surrounding Jaron Kanick right now is very similar to the discourse surrounding Danny Stutzman a year ago, which is obviously the athletic potential is off the charts, but at times he overpursues. He looks lost. He looks unsure of himself. Maybe he looks a little bit overwhelmed. Now, a year later, Danny Stutzman is regarded as one of the best linebackers in all of college football, mm-hmm. and it's the biggest news in the state when the Sooners are able to convince him to come back for an additional year. So I think that's a great point, and I think it's worth repeating. Just because a player has had inconsistencies or he's made mistakes or maybe he's developed a pattern of making those mistakes does not mean you write him off and you need to upgrade via recruiting or via the Mm -hmm. transfer portal and he simply needs to be supplanted. If you can get better football out of that guy a year from now, if, if he improves, if he buys in, and you can coach him up in all the requisite categories over the course of the offseason, the point where you shore up some of those weaknesses, correct some of those flaws and mistakes, guess what? Jaron Kanick next year might look like Danny Stutzman this year. And that's yeah. a really high bar. I know that. But when the Sooners brought in Jaron Kanick, they understood as well as anybody what he could be at the collegiate level in time with proper coaching. Now, to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, Spartan Sooner asks, and I, I do want to clarify on this, Spartan Sooner asks, how idiotic is it that Devon Mitchell is a five-star in 2025 but a four-star in 2024? How does he become not as good just because he's leaving a year early? Make it make sense, Parker. Well, here's the thing. I think here's what is misunderstood about recruiting rankings is people see recruiting rankings and they think they are an absolute. Well, I guess the best way to put it is they confuse ranking with rating. And so, Devon Mitchell is no less good just because he's graduating a year early. But the five-star designation, the origin of the five-star label is any prospect that is labeled a five-star is a guy that the analysts and the evaluators regard as somebody that's going to be a first-round NFL draft pick four years down the road. So, you have 32 first-round slots. Each recruiting service will only assign the five-star designation to 32 prospects every year. So while Devon Mitchell might have been regarded as one of the top 32 players in the nation in the 2025 class, obviously if he reclassifies and now he's being considered alongside players that are a year older than him and have an additional year of high school tape, well, he's still the same player. But whereas he might be number 20, comparative to the rest of the 2025 class, he's now number 80, comparative to the rest of the 2024 class. Hopefully that makes sense. It does, but I understand understand the frustration. My best advice is don't try to make it make sense. No. Just... It's one of those things that I myself tend to get angry and hung up on, and it does me zero good. So that would be my advice. I, I can't even I can't even heed my own advice, but I'll, I'll pass that along. Yeah, now, you, let me ask you something. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was about to Parker. say, you were, you were ready to go to war on Twitter on behalf of Kevin Sperry over the recruiting rankings a couple months ago. Oh, well, every now and then I just like to laugh <laughs> at some things. But let's go back to the McKinley kid. Okay. Um, now, 
correct me if I'm wrong, Oklahoma was one of the final teams in the running whenever he selected A&M. We thought we may have a chance then as maybe the the final days there that he was going to commit approached. It started to feel like, well, uh, it is going to be A&M. His mom and he, I I guess they had a really good relationship there with, with Jimbo Fisher. But Oklahoma had a really good relationship there previous to his decommitment, right? That is correct, and it's worth noting he hasn't officially decommitted from Texas A&M. Okay. He's still verbally he just, committed to them, but obviously there is the thought. Yeah. yeah, like he's not signing until February, that much is certain, and it does not seem apparent that he's going to stick with Texas A&M unless, well, you know, there's always the caveat, right, the very obvious caveat. And it is as applicable with Texas A&M as it is with any school as it pertains well, to recruiting. I would say it. I, I think it's smart of him, and I'm I'm surprised that. And maybe there are a bunch of guys doing it there. I just don't know. But it, I think it's smart to say, well, let me give myself a little bit more time, considering the situation, and I'll I'll let the new coaching staff have an opportunity to to perhaps win me over. But I'll also give myself some time if I do have a change of heart to to have some time to maybe talk with some other people that I was interested in with uh, previously. Um, I mean, that, that seems like the, the smart way to do it if you're committed somewhere and the head coach gets fired. So uh, I think that's a good sign. Now the text line is popping off, as it always does during the 2 o'clock hour here mm. on these airwaves. We're overdue for a break, but – When we come back, there are a couple things I want to discuss. People are asking about the transfer portal. Obviously, the dominoes are starting to fall in Oklahoma's favor in that department. Also, one particular prospect that I know Teddy is quite fond of might not be completely solid with the school Mm. that he is committed to. More on that in just a moment. This is the ref, the Homa Sooner fans, Parker Thune, alongside Teddy Lehman. Stay locked in with us. Back with you here on Locked In, the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. We appreciate each and every one of you that's tuning in across the state and across the country and the world on the KREF app. Here's an interesting nugget as we kick off segment number two, Ted. Now, I had reported to subscribers over at OUinsider.com, oh, this is probably going back three, maybe four weeks that there was some scuttlebutt, and to be clear, it was nothing more than that, but some scuttlebutt that your absolute favorite linebacker in the 2024 class, one Braden Platt, was not completely locked in with the Oregon Ducks, to whom he committed. What? Yeah, to whom he committed in early September. Now, apparently, there is some more noise being made about that particular situation recently. I do not know where it is coming from. I just know people on the text line are asking about it. So, Hmm. before I get into it, I would just like to give you the floor to talk about Braden Platt because I know this guy was one that, going back to the spring, you were quite high on. No, I like him. I, you know, I, um, I went to a spring practice 
and just so happened that Braden Platt was there and refresh my memory, the kid that went to Clemson, the backer, Sammy, Sammy Brown. Uh, yeah, Sammy Brown. They were both in town for visits. Uh, so I got to spend quite a bit of time with, with the two of them. And uh, I just, I really like Braden. He's an interesting dude. He, he comes across to me as like someone that is way smarter than maybe what meets the eye or you know what I'm saying? Like there's, he's, there's something deeper there. Um, he's a multi-sport athlete. He's a wrestler. When have you ever gone, gone wrong with a wrestler? He's like one of the best, uh, disc throwers in the entire country i think he throws javelin too yes. if i remember right yes he does um, elite thrower incredibly strong he's got like a 405 power clean which i'll just tell you right now <laughs> i've i've been around weight rooms for a really really long time i've been around some incredibly strong people and I don't, I've maybe seen a very small handful. Like, I can count on one hand people that can power clean 405 pounds. And none of those people did it in high school. Uh-huh. So he's incredibly strong, incredibly explosive. He can run. I don't know. I think he's, I think he's, he's maybe a little bit mechanical and not, like Sammy Brown, for example, is an incredible, like a super fluid athlete, has been really well coached and essentially uh, born and raised to play that position and do so at a high level. Um, I think Braden is way more raw than that, which to me lends itself to potentially more upside. Yeah. I feel like Sammy Brown is you you are getting the totally completed project and I'm not always a fan of that. I mean, he's going to be a great player. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that he's not. I just I I like with Braden Platt, I spot a lot of room for for growth. Yeah. Well, and I mean that's the reason why in every single year without exception, you're going to see dudes hear their name call in the NFL draft that went G5 or went FCS or even went Division Two or Division Three, right? When guys are seniors in high school, generally they aren't a finished product. Mm-hmm. And the finished product may have a lot of holes, but guess what? With proper coaching, you can plug those holes. You can improve that instinct that I think you're referencing, that fluidity, yeah, for, especially for a linebacker and be able to shore up some of those shortcomings in his game. And that's what certainly has folks enamored with Braden Platt is the athletic potential, especially given some of those testing numbers that you reference. He is an elite level, like nationally elite power lifter and thrower as far as track is concerned. Now, there were two finalists for his commitment. It was Oklahoma and it was Oregon. Now, Oregon won the battle. He's from Yelm, Washington. The proximity is obviously much closer at Oregon, and 
The Ducks have one of the nation's top track and field programs and facilities at that. So, I here's the stance that I would take on it for those asking about Braden Platt and how likely it is that he could re-engage. Well, I should say, let me let me just clarify. He has re-engaged with Oklahoma. Like one of the things, and this goes back to the Dominic McKinley conversation, one of the things that the OU staff is very good about and that oftentimes gives them a leg up when guys reopen their recruitments late in the process is that even after players commit elsewhere, the Sooner staff does not sever ties. They don't cut off contact. They don't lessen the communication with whatever prospects it happens to be that commits elsewhere. They're going to stay on him. They're going to stay in touch. They're going to see if a window of opportunity presents itself later on down the line, and they're going to spring. Obviously, that has happened with Dominic McKinley. It may well happen with Braden Platt as well. But we are two days away now from early signing day. Here is what I would say. Here is my judgment on it. If Braden Platt does not sign with Oregon in the early signing period, then this is definitely something to monitor going forward. But if he were to flip to Oklahoma, if there was a world in which that happened, it's not going to happen in the next three days. It's not going to happen by the end of the early signing period. Oklahoma would probably have to get him back to campus, and they would probably have to get a legitimate opportunity to, A, tout some of the things that they did on the field in the 2023 season, because he hasn't visited Oklahoma since June for his OV, and also just allow him an opportunity to fall in love and rediscover some of the things that helped make Oklahoma a primary contender for his services in the first place. Yeah. Well, um, uh, here's like, if you want the, like the sum, like the, the, like put it all together for me in, in one statement, it is this with Braden Platt. If, Braden Platt walked into the linebacker meeting room today. He could whip anyone's ass in that room without even thinking about it. Right? And that is rare for a guy that's a high school kid still. Uh huh. So that is kind of one of the reasons that I like him so much. <laughs> like, there is a. You know, and I, I met his parents. He's he's from uh, a really good family. If I remember right, his dad is maybe in the Navy or was originally in the Navy. That maybe makes sense. Maybe both his parents were in the Navy. Um, so they had moved around a little bit, but uh, really good family. But you can, like, when you are around someone that can whip everyone's ass in the room you can just kind of feel it and you feel it with Braden Platt that and to me that that means something yeah well the text line gosh we we just spent probably what 10 12 minutes talking about Braden Platt he's a guy that both of us can wax poetic about at length but obviously uh that is that is not a situation yet unless he doesn't sign with Oregon in the early signing period. So we'll stay vigilant on that one, keep you all apprised. And if things get interesting between Oklahoma and Platt down the line, 
obviously will begin to re-engage that conversation in earnest. But in the here and now, Oklahoma's making moves in the transfer portal. They're starting to add commitments. Got one this morning. Expectation is that at least one and potentially multiple Mm. are on the way here shortly. So we will dive into that. Your questions on the text line about guys like Chris McClellan, guys like Bauer Sharp, guys like Fabechi Nawawu. We will get into all of that and much more. Transfer Portal Talk on the other side here on Locked In. Come on back with us on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Man, got to love the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. A listener in the 918 just chimed in and said, Parker, your speech is a bit slow. You get into some doobie? Sound too relaxed. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did not spend the weekend with Gunny. However, oh, I did, I did go funny. to the chiropractor this morning, so I am probably a bit more relaxed than usual. That's good. If you... You went to the chiropractor, huh? You've been having some problems? No, it's less about having problems. I, now, I have had back problems in the past. So that is the reason I started going to the chiropractor. But I've kept going to the chiropractor just because I feel amazing after going to the chiropractor. Ted. Okay. Like, well, there going you go. to the chiropractor is something I legitimately look forward to. That's good. Getting the old back cracked a little bit. You're too young to be having any back issues, so make sure you yeah, stay no, ahead I, of the game. I, that's what I'm trying to do, too. Like, I don't want to get right. to the point in my life where I'm, you know, 50 and hunched over. No, going to try to stay upright and healthy for as long as possible. Nice. I like it. All right. Well, tell me about some of those uh, those names you were reading off before we went to, went to timeout. Uh, are we in on any of that, or are those guys just kind of surfing around? Well, I'll tell you, Oklahoma got another portal commitment this morning from tight end Bauer Sharp, formerly of southeastern Louisiana, a third-team FCS All-American. And when he hit the transfer portal, he was one of the most coveted tight ends in the country. I mean, Power 5 team after Power 5 team lined up for a shot at Bauer Sharp. Oklahoma offered probably about a week and a half ago, got him to campus over the weekend, and that sealed the deal. Tight end was a position of need for Oklahoma in the transfer portal. Obviously, we saw not a total lack of production from that position in 2023, but relative to expectations, the tight end room did not do a whole heck of a lot. Injuries didn't help. But Austin Stogner, I want to say he caught 16 passes. And that was pretty much it for the tight ends at Oklahoma in 2023. So the expectation would be, looking ahead to next year, that Bauer Sharp contends for immediate snaps. Obviously, Devon Mitchell entering the fray and Caden Helms getting back to full health should help elevate Oklahoma at that position to the point where you're not concerned about the tight end being a waste of a body on the field every single snap the way that some perceived it was this year. And I don't think Austin Stogner was as bad as people made him out to be. But obviously it was a stark contrast from 2022 when Braden Willis was one of the more impactful performers on the entire offensive side of the ball for Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know much about this kid. I know he's he's got good size. What, 6'5", 245-pounder. Um, got a lot of uh, eligibility remaining. And, you know, we just 
we need bodies. We need we need some depth. We need yeah. some good competition there uh, this off season. So it looks like he's he fits that bill. You add him. You add the Mitchell kid coming in, and uh, hopefully you get Caden Helms healthy and ready to go. And I know they like uh, McIntyre. Man, I like he, McIntyre too. He he runs well. He's athletic. He just he just got to get bigger. You know. Uh-huh. He just, he looks like a, he looks like a, I don't know, a safety. More like a something. wide out than a tight yeah. end at this point. Yeah. And to be fair, now at that point in his career, Helms had kind of the same problem. Obviously, he has put on weight to the point where he was expected to be a contributor offensively for Oklahoma this past year before he had the knee injury. But yeah, once McIntyre bulks up, I think he's in the range of about 215 pounds right now. Once he adds additional bulk, he is going to be a player. Because the one thing about McIntyre as a football player that almost anybody that's been around him, experienced him, lined up opposite him will tell you, that is a mean dude. Yeah. And he plays me. Uh, elsewhere on the text line, Puerto Rican Sooner says, S-tier radio duo, which for those of you that aren't up to date with the contemporary lingo, S-tier is synonymous with A-list. Appreciate that, Puerto Rican Ooh. Sooner. He also says, Parker, you're too dang young to be going to the chiropractor. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You're, you're staying ahead of the game. It's you're not, prophylactic. Yeah. You're not, you're, not, you're not going there to fix something. You're staying ahead of the game, and um, you enjoy it. That's good. Now, many on the text line are noting that Bauer Sharp actually committed to southeastern Louisiana as a quarterback before converting to tight end and did play some wildcat QB despite the fact that he was primarily a tight end the last couple years at southeastern Louisiana. Uh, They are clamoring for the Bauer Dozer package. Uh, It sounds to me like we've got a future first, like top five offensive tackle pick, right? If you go as a quarterback – turn into a tight end, and then transfer to Oklahoma, aren't you supposed to end up at tackle, get drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, and go win a Super Bowl? <laughs> you know how that works? Oh, yeah, that's how you draw it up. Well, that's cool. Hey, that shows me you've got some good overall athleticism. You can do a lot. they got to put the ball in his hands, let him try and do something. We're out of uh, we're out ideas in the running game. Just snap it to the big guy. Uh, I'm always down with that. Oh, you're just going to have a ton of dudes that can run that Wildcat quarterback package. The Bauer dozer. That's hilarious. Oh, LaDonna from Lubbock says, never too young to go to the chiropractor. I agree, LaDonna. I was at my chiropractor a few weeks back, and there was a baby there. There was a baby at the yeah. chiropractor. Yeah. Apparently, that's a thing. Chiropractic it's a thing for, for dogs, infants. too, I think. Okay, that, that might be overkill. but <laughs> People will pay for anything these days. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Apparently, chiropractic care for their dog is something that people will pay for. Um, Elsewhere, as far as the transfer portal is concerned, so visitors this weekend, you had Dion Burks in town, the Purdue wide receiver committed to Oklahoma via the portal. You had Spencer Brown, who's committed to play at Oklahoma after four years at Michigan State, plug-and-play dude at right tackle in lieu of the departing Tyler Guyton. You had Bauer Sharp. And then the other two 
are guys that Oklahoma is waiting on a decision from. North Texas offensive lineman Fabechi Nawawu and Michigan State offensive lineman Geno Vandemark. Now, obviously with Caden Green out the door, adding Eddie Pierre-Lewis on Friday, who's now your top-ranked mm. offensive commit in the class of 2024, is huge. Which I got to say, um, and I'm included in, the, in this, there's some disappointment in – Learning it's Lewis, not Louis. I know, man. Same here. Same here. I'm thoroughly disappointed. When you throw Pierre in front of that spelling of Lewis, I mean, you get Louis. That's just how it's going to go, right? <laughs> That's what I thought for a year and a half. A That's year funny. and a half. But, alas. No, Eddie Pierre-Louis committed. Uh, you made me do it right there. Eddie Pierre-Louis Committed to Oklahoma on Friday. He's the number 29 overall player in the 2024 class, number one in the nation among offensive guards. His addition is massive for Oklahoma. He's somebody that's going to be able to contend for playing time right off the bat. But one thing you would like to have in that offensive line room heading to the SEC is experience. And mm-hmm. Nawawu is a guy that played for Seth Luttrell at North Texas, was a freshman All-American in 2022, and – is one of the more decorated group of five offensive linemen available via the portal. Then you have Vandemark, a guy who has started at 15, 16 games, something like that. He started a lot of games in his career at Michigan State. So those are two guys, Ted, where if you don't have a viable alternative at that position, what you know is you're going to be able to throw those guys in there and they're mm-hmm. going to be able to hold their own. If somebody beats them out, great, right? If Heath Ozida or somebody like that, Jake Taylor, if one of those guys makes a huge leap this year to next year, then awesome. You roll with it. But in Nawawu and Vandemark, you end up landing one or both of those guys. You know you have answers at those guard positions where now not only do you have to replace McCade Mattire, but you also have to replace Caden Green. Yeah. Well, you know, talent evaluation is always difficult. And it gets easier the further up the up the ladder you go, but there's never an exact science, and especially whenever you uh, add different variables in, you know. But still, the most difficult evaluation is from high school to college. You are for the most part, watching guys compete against a level of athlete that is, right, they should not be competing against. So it's hard to figure out how that translates. And they're playing a game which is, on the mental side of things, it's not even really the same sport as to what you're about to be playing in college. So there's so many variables there, it's hard. There's a massive miss rate from high school to college it gets easier from college to pro but you add variables like a ton of money and and you know injuries that guys have sustained through through college like it gets more difficult but um the easiest is transfer portal Uh uh-huh you get to have a full evaluation of guys that have often played multiple years you can see them against 
like talent. You can see them in an offense that is most likely going to be similar to yours, especially similar whenever it comes to um, like how, how difficult it is to learn or easy it is to learn. A lot of the same concepts. So it's the easiest way to evaluate. And if you can, if you can get some those guys in the transfer portal, it's it's already better than taking a guess on a guy that hadn't played. I mean, that's just that's just how it is. Well, and for everybody that takes Bill Biedenboe to task over the lack of star power, quote unquote, in his recruiting classes year after year. And go look at the bust rate among five-star offensive linemen comparative to every other position. It is such a hard position to evaluate, as Teddy kind of hit on there. And so so many many folks have been critical of the fact that Biedenboe has leaned heavily on the portal, but you said it, Teddy. You have a much better idea of what you're getting if you evaluate and pursue offensive linemen via the transfer portal than via the high school ranks. And one of the things that Biedenboe has shown over the years is that doesn't really matter what the recruiting services think of those guys. The ones that get to Oklahoma and submit to Biedenboe's coaching and they learn under his tutelage and don't try to rush anything along and are content to go at his pace for them, oftentimes those guys end up being NFL draft picks and making a lot of money one day. Yeah. Well, I. it's tough. Number one, it's hard to recruit offensive line, or it's it's difficult to evaluate offensive line talent. Um, and it, whenever you get, I feel like we're almost in a a cycle that's going to be very hard to get out of. Like once you've had to fill some holes, either because of injury or guys left or guys you know, went to the NFL and you've had to go to the transfer portal, you you really stunt the development pipeline that you've got and it's hard to it's hard to get that thing back going again. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really is. And I, I I that's what I was so happy about with Caden Green is because it looked like you were gonna have Caden Green you were going to have Sexton, you know, you were going to start to maybe get some of these recruits rolling through and I organically from, from high school in the system, develop, play, and build on that. And when Ken Green left, it, it kind of threw, threw a wrench into that system and you're going to have to go, uh, they were going to have to go to the portal anyways, but, you know, going to have to rely on it more so maybe than they wanted to. A couple good points from the text line. Bill has to go to the portal because his guys keep leaving a year early for the NFL. Yeah. Look at the last two years. And Jeff from OKC adds, Bill Biedenboe doesn't need to recruit a five-star. He creates them. That is called a coach. Excellent yeah. point, Jeff. All right, we'll be back on the other side to wrap up Locked In and turn it over for a three-hour installment of more Teddy and Parker talking. The rush is on the other side. Once we wrap up this hour, coming up next, here on the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Back with you here to wrap up Locked In. Parker Thune alongside the Buckus Award winner, Teddy Lehman. 
A lot of folks asking on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, what's up with Chris McClellan, the Owasso native and Florida defensive tackle now in the portal? And I guess it can be summed up thusly, Teddy. Uh, I was on the sidelines at a high school game a matter of months ago having a conversation with a member of the coaching staff who shall remain nameless. And (laughs) the observation he made was that, man, it is unbelievable how many elite defensive prospects are having to choose between Oklahoma and money these days. And mm. it seems like that's going to be the case here with Chris McClellan. Dang. What, well, what the choice is, I don't know, but that's going to be the choice. Yeah. Um, I know we've got a a very – loyal and aggressive Twitter, Oklahoma Twitter group that um, you know typically is very defensive and protective of their football program and uh, also will eat each other from time to time over uh, some controversial things but I we need to turn those tweets into money that's going to NIL because uh, that's where it's all going down. And there's some places out there that are stockpiling massive amounts of money, and we're not necessarily one of those, and we need to become one. All right. Uh, we've got, dude, we got the rush next. Three more hours. You ready to roll? Let's do it, man. I'm stoked. All right. Going to be fun. Stay tuned.